Excited to be here with you today. It's always uh, surprising to me uh, when we have a darker day like this, how dark it gets inside of this, this uh, sanctuary, this chapel. So um, I trust that you can see me only because I got these big bright lights in my eyes and I can't really see you too well. So, so um, anyhow, this morning we are going to uh, transition from uh, being in the book of Jude and we're going to spend some time in the next week or two, maybe three, uh, speaking of wisdom and what is biblical wisdom and why we so desperately need it and why uh, throughout the ages wisdom has been sought uh, by every culture known to man. Now it has found its different ways out and in uh, all types of different cultures, but what obviously we are after is the biblical wisdom and biblical Wisdom is given to us all throughout the scripture, but specifically there are five books, five wisdom books in your Bible, and we are going to spend time today in Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and uh, so if you'll make your way there, that will, be, uh, that will be where we spend our day today. Now, let me say this, um, I, I see a few visitors out there, and I usually like to stick around and meet uh, all those people who are visiting. But today, if it feels a little bit like the rapture has happened, um, don't worry, you didn't miss it. I just have to be on an airplane to North Carolina uh, um, at uh, 3.15. And so to be to the airport by uh, 1.15, we've got to get out of here by 11.15. So I have to fast forward a little bit on how we exit today. So hopefully you found your way there to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And this is how it reads. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom literature. We thank you, uh, Lord, for this psalm and preserving it. Lord, we thank you for its beauty and its majesty as it opens up. 150 songs and psalms, Lord, to be sung to you that help and lift our hearts, give us wisdom, that we might walk in this world uh, wisely, Lord, keeping our eyes focused on you. Lord, today I pray that uh, I would be out of the way, Lord, that uh, you would speak your word in and through me. And Lord, moreover, um, I pray, God, for your flock, for your people, that we would not as a people, leave here the same as we walked in, Lord. I pray that you would convict us by your spirit, that we would not just be hearers, Lord, but doers of your word. Now, Lord, I pray you give us that wisdom that we, wa- that we may walk in it. We'll give you all the glory, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In an August 18th, 2020 article located on Forbes.com, author Jack Kelly wrote a well-cited but small piece titled, The Pandemic Has Caused an Increase in Anxiety, Stress, Depression, 
in suicides. In the article, Mr. Kelly noted that millions of Americans have lost their jobs, spent their savings, and been confined to their homes, resulting in a profound impact on the emotional well-being of people. Kelly goes on to say that this has led to a significant increase in cases of anxiety, depression, and deaths by suicide. The CDC conducted a survey of 5,412 people between June 24th and June 30th of this year. And the collected data on suicides is alarming. Roughly 25% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 say they have considered suicide because of the pandemic. Nearly 31% of the respondents said that, uh, that they had symptoms of anxiety or depression, and about 26 reported trauma and stress-related disorder caused by the outbreak. Over 13% said they have used alcohol, prescription, and or illegal drugs to deal with the pandemic, including uh, induced uh, by the stress and the anxiety. The amount of American, Americans reporting anxiety symptoms is triple the number from June last year. The CDC reported 11% of adults surveyed had seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. As it relates to young adults, Dr. Redfield, the director of the CDC, said, sadly, we are seeing far greater suicides now than, when, than we are seeing from deaths of COVID-19. Kelly went on to say that the loss of jobs, and I quote him here, the loss of jobs, fear of running out of money or getting e evicted won't go away anytime soon. It's critical that our elected officials, business and community leaders, along with health professionals, work on a solution. Well, as you know, adding to this anxiety of, uh, that COVID has caused, the United States of America is in an election year. And in the right co uh, corner um, of this political ring, there is Donald Trump, a billionaire businessman who is crass. And in the left corner is Joe Biden, a lifetime politician who is confused. But the two of them together is nothing short of watching a scene from the World Wrestling Federation, if you watched the debate a couple weeks ago. Surely, beloved, if we put our hope there, we will be hopeless. Looking to these elected officials to cure the increasing anxiety of our time is nothing short of asking a fox to look after our chickens while we go away on vacation. Beloved, there is no human institution on the planet that can cure the common problem of mankind's anxiety, stress, and depression. If we put our hope in that which is broken, that is sinful man, and their systems of governance, the feelings of anxiety and depression, and the act of suicide will be ever increasing and moving on into our future. The only answer to mankind's problem is to be firmly planted in the word of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the writer of Psalm has in mind as he begins this psalm. He says it like this. Most of your translations, if you don't have the NASB, just start with blessed. The NASB, however, because of the, the troubles with that word um, being in the plural and man being in the singular, uh, have added, has added this word, how blessed. And throughout uh, the times, there are different 
translation and different, uh, different scholars who have looked into why in the world would that first word be in the plural. And the idea is that the writer is saying that there are many blessings, many types of blessings, many blessednesses that the man has. The Christian Standard Bible picks up on this and it says, uh, it says it this way, how happy the prince of all preachers we call Charles Spurgeon wrote that one might read it as, oh, the blessednesses. It's not a word. My word, uh, my word on my computer didn't really like that word. I had to leave it. Pointing out, right, the plurality of blessings for the man who does not do a few things. The New Living Translation captures it well by translating it, oh, the joys. Oh, the joys. Think of that. Oh, the joys of the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Notice here that there are three negatives in verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, or sit. Right? If you were wondering whether or not you want blessings in your life, don't walk, stand, and sit with the wicked. It's what Psalms is after. It's what the writer is saying. It's what the Spirit of God is trying to relate to his people. That, that if you hang out with, if you walk along with, if you stand in the presence of, and if you sit alongside of these teachers, you will become a scoffer at God. Notice that there are three negatives, as I said. Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, and sit with the wicked. And what we know of language is this, that if the negative is true, the positive is also. In other words, the writer of Psalm 1 assumes that we understand if the person who does not walk, stand, or sit in the counsel of the wicked is plurally blessed, then the person who does walk, stand, and sit in the counsel of the wicked is plurally cursed. They will have multiple cursings. They will have much anxiety. They will have much stress. They will have much depression. And unfortunately, it leads to much suicidal activity. I'm going to pause here and and recognize that there's probably uh, many in here, as have I, who have been affected by suicidal or suicide uh, in and, and through this life. I know even as a high schooler, we had a number of young men or friends of mine who got together and took a pact to, to end their lives at the end of high school, and they did so. And, um, I recognize that it is painful. It is frustrating. I am not making light of it. But the reality is if we put our hope in the things of the world and what we can accomplish, we'll be depressed and anxious. The Holy Spirit reveals here that the people and entities we spend our time with can affect us negatively. We all have people in our lives that are tertiary relationships. They are on the outside of our lives, although we have some kind of interaction with them, like we bump into them. Maybe while we go to the store, we might recognize them, say hello to them, pass by them, or maybe it's even the 
clerk who uh, takes our money and checks us out. They are tertiary type of relationships. We also uh, have secondary relationships. These are people like co-workers, people you go to school or class with. These are people you spend a significant amount of time with, but you do not share a close relationship with them and that you would open your life to them and, and they would speak into your life and you would make adjustments. They're just people that you're around a lot. And then we have people in our lives that fill a role of primary relationships. These are people or entities that we spend a lot of time with. You and I, um, we have uh, intimate relationships with these type of people. We allow them to give counsel and to speak into our lives. They are teachers, they are pastors, bloggers, uh, podcasters, and professors. These are the people that we are wanting to share their DNA, the way they think, the way they act. And this is the type of counsel that is being spoken of here in Psalm chapter 1. Is this type, this third group of people, your primary relationship that Psalm 1 is, is concerned with? These relationships have a direct effect on how you live and think about life. Take a look. There are three verbs, walk, stand, and sit. In verse 1, beloved, you will be blessed if you do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. All through the Bible, there is this example of walking by the way. And it's an idea, it's this language where uh, what type of life that we live, where are we going? It's the path that we are on that, is, that the writer is concerned about. And uh, we can go all the way right back to Genesis and find that day by day, Adam walked with the Lord. We weren't too long ago in Jude considering Enoch, who was taken up the seventh uh, from Adam, who was taken up. He walked with the Lord. He was along the way. His whole life was, was uh, pointed at, geared towards moving, walking, spending time with the Lord, and he was taken up. And what the writer of, of, of the psalm here is saying, right, that do not walk alongside the counsel of the wicked. Don't take up their path. Everything that they are directed at is anti-God. Don't come alongside of them. It will cost you. Notice, not only are we not supposed to walk alongside, spend time with them, uh, do the things that they do, act the way that they act, do not stand in the path of sinners. Do not stand in the path of sinners. And what does that mean? But to put yourself in their path. Their path is away from God. Their path is wickedness. Their path is, is hatred. It is whatever the world says that is valuable, that they are moving towards. And, and the Bible says here, don't put yourself in their path. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, pastor, I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, it sounds maybe like you're being a little bit legalistic here. Don't do this and don't do that. Listen, I'm not being legalistic. The Bible says just don't do it. If you want many blessings in your life, don't go hang out in the bar as a Christian. If you want many blessings in your life, don't hang out with people who are going a totally different direction than you are. It's impossible for them not to stain your path. Don't do it. The Bible just says don't do it. And you'll be blessed. It's not legalism. It's not ruleism. Just decide. Do you want to be blessed? Don't walk along that path. 
Don't let those people speak into your life. Don't listen to that blogger. Don't listen to that person who hates God and hates people. Don't spend time with them. Don't stand in their path. Third, you'll be blessed if you do not sit in the seat of scoffers. The idea here is that uh, as people move their way up the ladder of teaching and their worldview gets more and more established, they become the type of person who not only is walking along the way and, and is in a path somewhere, but they're the type of people who turn and begin to teach that path. And that's the idea here is that you wouldn't sit in their seat. Don't spend time with them. In the, in the, first, in the first century in the, uh, with the Pharisees in all of the synagogues, there was a Moses seat that you would go and you would sit down to teach. And even today in our universities, right, we speak of professors and their chair, their ability to, it is their point of, of reference for the authority in which they have. And that's the idea that's being spoken of here, right? Don't sit in those seats, the seats of scoffers who hate the Lord or you won't be blessed. Beloved, the Christian has a familiar call and walk of life which Israel in the Old Testament was called to. We, like Israel, are to reflect and represent God to all the peoples of the world. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, Moses is uh, receiving the law from the Lord. And the Lord is speaking to him, and verses 5 and 6 give them God's desire for the nation to be a light to all nations. He says this in verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Israel was to be a possession among who? All the peoples. We are called to be a light to the nations, beloved. The church is supposed to be this city on a hill, right? A light, a lampstand. We don't put the light underneath something, a bed. We don't put it under a basket and put out the light. We're, we're to be set up on a hill for people to look at and see. And so as they're wavering around and they're walking and they're scoffing God and, they're, and they are following after all their own lusts and their desires that they want to fulfill themselves, that we still sit up on this city, this on a hill. <laughs> and if you're blessed because you're not walking in the way, you'll be that city on a hill. He goes on, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy, a set apart nation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the what? Nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Spirit and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them all that I have commanded you. So we have this familiar call, this call to walk in a life that loves the Lord, that exudes his life, that shows his light, and we cannot walk in the path and, of, and take the counsel of the wicked. We cannot, uh, we cannot stand in the presence of those sinners, and we cannot sit with those scoffers and think that we are going to be some kind of city on a hill. 
Beloved, there are things that we need to be doing and actively uh, pursuing in the scripture if we are going to be effective in that which God has called us to. And looking like the world, acting like the world, following the world, listening to the world, it's not going to cure you of your anxiety and stress. Counsel of the world says if you want to be happy, walk after every desire you wish. Get a better job, make more money, have a better retirement, call yourself whatever gender you can dream up, marry whoever you want, have intimate relationships with whomever you want. In other words, spend your life attempting to fulfill the desires of the flesh, teach others to do so, and persecute anyone who gets in your way. That is the way of the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer. And God says, if you want to have happiness in your life, do not follow after them. Stand amongst them or sit down with them. They will lead you astray. Beloved, there is no getting out of those relationships clean. You are going to get dirt on you. Hang out with the wicked and you're going to look like the wicked. Don't do it. Proverbs chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 affirm this and other wisdom literature. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass it on. Go by. <laughs> now let me pause and just say this. I've seen some people react this way to the things of the world. They pull themselves completely out of the world. They don't interact with the world. They don't go to dinner with the world. They don't educate uh, with the world. They, don't, they completely try to separate themselves out of the world. Now, that's not being a light in the world. That's hiding yourself under a basket. That's not being a city on a hill. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer of John chapter 17 that we are supposed to be what? In the world, not of the world, right? That is the idea. We are still on a path. We are still walking along. We are bumping into people. We are sharing the gospel with people. We are being a light to people. We are just not going where they are going. We are not going to enter into their council. We're to be a light. So the contrast is between the wise and the foolish always in the wisdom literature. And we have it here in Psalm chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6. The foolish person is living for themselves, and when their idols fall apart, be it money, sexual relations, Republicans or Democrats, they will be anxious, stressed, depressed, and suicidal. But the wise man is found in verses 2 and 3. But his delight, notice there, verse 2, but his delight, or the person's pleasure. What does it mean to delight in something? Pleasure is something that we seek after all the duties of our day are done, right? We, I don't know if you're anything like me. I don't actually like this part of me, but uh, and something I feel like God is working on in my own life is that I tend to want to hit switches. I did this duty, so I turn this on, or, and then I shut that off, and I do this other duty, and I don't think that's really the biblical way of walking with the Lord. I think we're called to walk in the Lord, but, but bear with me for this example anyway, and that is this, is that oftentimes our pleasures is when we kind of sh shut that switch off, Right? And we want to enjoy fill in the blank, right? Maybe you like to watch football. Maybe you, like me, or uh, like to hunt. Or I, probably if I had to give up all my outdoor activities, I would fly fish. What do you delight in? 
What do you take pleasure in? The wise man delights. He takes pleasures in the law of the Lord. The law there, uh, although some might say is just to the first five books, is not really the way it's being used. The law of the Lord is the whole counsel of God's word. And at this point in time, uh, certainly would have incre- uh, uh, included the Torah and, and Judges and, and uh, Samuel and, and all of that, but uh, we now would know and understand that God's word is the whole word, right? It's the whole counsel of God. And so blessed is the man who delights himself in the whole counsel of God's word. And in his law, look there, he meditates day and night. Now, I've tipped you off to this, but fly fishing is something that I enjoy to do. And, and in the doing of it, one learns quickly that the right color of polarized lenses is better than this microphone right now. I don't know what's going on there. Sorry. All right. <laughs> the right color of polarized lenses, which to see everything through is critical to be successful as a fly fisherman. I remember uh, some years ago, the boys were little. We were over uh, at the Platte River and, and uh, spending some time. We were camping way down. It's about 15 miles of dirt road. Blue mic. It's fine, Josh. I'll just use this. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. So we're about 15 miles down in this dirt road, and, and uh, we are, um, we're down there to camp and recreate and spend some time, and, and I had these brand new pair of Costa sunglasses on. They were perfectly polarized and had just the right tint. I like an amber tint, not too dark, because on, if the tint is too dark uh, on days like today that are overcast, it's really difficult to see into the water. And what polarization does is takes the glare off the water so you can actually wade across the water, see the things you need to see, avoid rocks, avoid holes, and do all that. But more importantly, it helps you to see fish, and it helps you to see your flies. Oftentimes, you're, you're fishing with bugs that are just not a sixteenth of an inch uh, long, and uh, they need to be the right color, and they need to float just right. And if you lay your line out there, and, and your line lays down on different kinds of currents, and it pulls that bug wrong, you will never catch a fish. And so it is critical that your entire life of fishing is lensed through a color in which you can see well that helps you to function and accomplish that which the task is at hand. The wise person delights in the law of the Lord and they are going to meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. The word meditate means and can be translated as murmurs about. The idea is they are uh, not just thinking on the word all the time, but they are murmuring, speaking. Uh, And that's where you kind of get these weird uh, pictures of meditation, maybe from uh, other Eastern cultures and whatnot. But the idea is that, that, that we are looking at the law of the Lord, we delight in it, our heart is to want it, and then we're meditating on it. We're, we're uh, memorizing scripture. We're thinking about what it takes. Oftentimes at the end of letters, I'll have uh, Ben Sanchez come over and he will uh, spend his time and he will have memorized entire books of the Bible. As a matter of fact, he just went to a church uh, down in, um, 
down in Virginia Dale and, and, and recited the entire book of Romans. Think of that, 16 chapters, word for word. Now that doesn't just come to him. Ben is meditating. He is thinking. He is going about his day, his walk, everything that he is doing as he functions and he builds furniture for a living. He, is, he can't just shut off the, the, the switch. That doesn't work. And his mind is fixed on knowing what Romans says. And he's meditating on it and he's speaking it over and over and over. And finally, right, the book is memorized. That's the idea. The person is so committed to not walk away in the way of the wicked that the scripture becomes their lens, their polarized lenses for life. That so they can look at every situation like the fishermen with the right sunglasses on. The wise see everything and respond to the challenges of life through the lens of scripture. And when they respond with God's will, it is going to bring them many blessings. That's the idea. That everything we do in our home, at work, we don't just hit the switch, right? What does it look like to be a Christian man in the home? What does it look like to be a Christian man at church? What does it look like to be a Christian woman in the home, Christian woman at church? What does it look like to go through this, a brother or sister in the church sinned, they did something wrong, it's legitimate. Well, what does God's word say about that? You get angry like the world and you shun them and don't pay attention? Or do you forgive them like Christ Jesus forgave us? We walk in unity. Psalm 1 goes on to describe the wise person. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Beloved, the person who delights in and meditates on the law of the Lord will be, in the English, planted. The word in Hebrew is shatal. It's woodenly translated uh, to be transplanted. The verb is in the passive, meaning the action is happening to the tree. So the person who is meditating on, who is delighting in, the word is transplanted out of this dry horrible ground that has no nutrients and he's transplanted by streams plural right streams plural of living water that sounds much better than the former right the promise to the wise person who is firmly planted in the word of God is that they will bear fruit and they will not wither and we love this last clause, right? And whatever he does, he prospers. The word tzalat, translated to prosper or to thrive, is a promise to the wise. The idea is not that we uh, uh, live our lives through the lens of scripture so that we can gain something from the Lord here at all. Rather, it is the idea that when we face the same challenges, that those who walk in wickedness face, we will thrive or we will prosper. When the world becomes to fall apart, if you've set up in the world as an idol, uh, your ability to make money, your job, your, your, your idea, the idea is that you move forward, everything is about you. Well, when that thing begins to fall apart, when that job begins to fall apart, when that relationship begins to fall apart, when that pastor does something wicked and sins and falls and, and the church seems like it's falling apart, why? You put your hope in that pastor. 
You put your hope in that job. You put your hope in that thing. You weren't grounded. You weren't rooted in the word of God. You weren't forgiving. You weren't expecting that sin was going to cause somebody to fall. And anxiety shows up. Fear shows up. Stress shows up. Why? Because uh, your idol got tipped over, fell apart. The word of God, beloved, will never fail. The prophet Habakkuk, seeing through the lens of being firmly planted, said this uh, as Israel was getting ready to be besieged and destroyed. As you know, he says, uh, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and all the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk, look, on high places. That's the right view. That is thriving. That is prospering. When we walk through this life and, and the effects of sin and the curse on the world and people are falling, around, uh, falling down all around us, we stand because we are rooted and grounded. Now, in contrast, the wicked are not so. What, what is it? Are not so what? They are not firmly planted, and they are not going to thrive forever, but they are, going, they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Where the wise or the righteous are firmly planted and will prosper or thrive forever, the wicked are not grounded. They are not rooted. They are like chaff which uh, the wind blows away. Undoubtedly, this is why our world is in so much turmoil right now. They are feeling the winds of change, are they not? Are we not? And like chaff, they are being driven away by the wind. The fads and the fashions of today's cultural shifts come and go like the wind. And like the wind, those who are constantly trying to fulfill their desires with the things of the world are blown away. They are shaken. Where the blessed person is firmly planted in the unchanging word of God, the wicked are like the chaff which is blown away by every wind of change. They will not last. Verse 5, therefore, since they, are not firmly, uh, since they are not firmly planted in the word of God, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's interesting, just last week we finished up Jude and we talked about the blessed hope of all believers throughout all time is that God is able to keep you and he is able to cause you to stand. Here the writer of Psalms is recognizing that same language. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. In the light of the glory of God that drives all men to their face like dead, God will cause us, the righteous, to stand, but the wicked will not stand. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Friends, if you are here this morning and you are not born again, you are only uh, rooted in those things of the world. Let me tell you, in as lovingly of a way as I can, you won't stand in the judgment. That sounds harsh on our 
postmodern ears, but the reality is, is, is God has given us a way to stand in Christ Jesus. If you've been following after the world and the world is just beating you down, you're rooted and you're grounded in something like chaff. The wind's just going to blow it away. I encourage you today to confess your sin, fall in love with God's timeless word so you can be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And on that day that you will stand, no denominational affiliation, no church attendance, no amount of good work is going to get you there. Christ Jesus died on your behalf that in that day when the trumpet blows and the voice of God comes, you will be able to stand in his presence. Amen. You can pray that prayer now. You can pray it later after the service. There'll be some here to pray with you, but happy to show you what the word of God says about standing. Friends, Jack Kelly, who wrote the article, The Pandemic Has Caused an Increase in Anxiety, Stress, Depression, and Suicides, has given the counsel of the wicked. He said this, it's critical that our elected officials, business, and community leaders, along with the health professionals, work alongside, uh, uh, work on a solution to these problems. But the problem with this thinking uh, is that man can fix the problems of the world. The writer of Psalm is obviously right. <laughs> Get rooted and grounded. That seems like wise things. Vote in the right people. Get the right community leaders. Get the right health professionals on board. But looking to anyone but the Lord uh, is nothing short of putting a Band-Aid on cancer or rearranging the furniture on the Titanic. It gives the appearance of help, but actually it is just making the ride to impending doom a little more comfortable. There's no human or institution on the planet that can cure the common problem of man's anxiety, stress, and depression. No president, no boss, no pastor, no co-worker or family member can give you the security that comes from delighting in and meditating on the word of God. Amen. Regardless of the trial we go through, be it at work or at home, if we put our hope in that which is broken, that is the sinful man, anxiety is going to increase. Stress is going to increase. The only answer to man's problem, beloved, is to be firmly planted by streams of water in the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that does ground us, gives us life and hope. Lord, I pray for those who may not know you in here this morning that they would confess their sin, Lord, and look to you, the author and perfecter of faith. Lord, that you would give them the faith to believe that they might be saved and they would stand with us, Lord, one day and rejoice for eternity. That's impossible for us to wrap our minds around, Lord. Pray, Lord, that uh, you would help those in here this morning who have got caught up in the way and the counsel of the wicked, Lord, who have stood in the path of sinners and have sat in the seat of scoffers, Lord. I know even as Christians, we can get deceived and get veered and taken off the path that leads to you. Help us, Lord, uh, to return now, Lord, and confess our sin in, in those ways, Lord, be it we're watching 
uh, news or whatever we may be listening to or seeing that is drawing our hearts away from you, Lord, I pray, God, you would help us to repent. Give us a heart to delight, hunger after your word, Lord, that we might be rooted and planted firmly in you and your son and your word of God, Lord. We love you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.